When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Monday. It's Hale Bar City Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you. Hope you survived the, the sports weekend. You had the good and then the ugly. Volleyball is, well, better than good. Basketball, eh. Uh, we'll talk through it. Some Husker football thoughts, as always, as well on Hale Bar City Radio. Numbers to get in, 46637. 76-466-3776-1-800-825-5865. Can call us up, can follow us and find us on Twitter, can communicate that way as well at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal, and uh, always can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. We'll uh, get the full rundown from Columbus as he is back from Columbus, Jacob Padilla, with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Jacob's uh, super awesome at knowing the intricacies of uh, the strategy, but also being able to put it into a really cool take. Uh, so, Jacob, back from Columbus with us in about 15 minutes. In hour two, we'll have Charlie McBride, a Monday with Charlie, Mr. Blackshirt himself, Derek Peterson, Dr. Petey from Hale Varsity. Really good column on four football dudes that can really uh, benefit from maybe a change in voice and a new position coach. So we'll talk to Dr. Petey about that. And then Blackshirt Jay Moore, get his take on, you know, the positive impact of a transfer quarterback, portal, portal, portals, all we're thinking about here with quarterback on top of some of the arm talent that's in that room, be it Torres or Harburg or Smothers. But, uh, you know, one of the best transfer guys ever was Zach Taylor. And uh, we'll get Jay's take on just how things can shake out as winter conditioning looms and uh, spring football's upon us. So uh, let's get into Nebraska volleyball to start. And you know where you were, and I hope that your YouTube TV situation, now it's remedied. It wasn't Saturday night. We were out with my buddy Uncle Nate and his sweet wife Ashley for their birthday. They're really awesome folks, and, and they got us set up in uh in a bar in a really nice restaurant but in a bar with the rest of the husker crazies and that's a loving compliment and uh we we all just watched and and held our breaths and it was drama filled it was i mean it was just incredible theater and yeah you had every inch and ounce given by nebraska volleyball and they almost got another title i mean they were they were right there and they made so many plays in some some two-point games 
in those two-point uh, matches, and then Wisconsin just ultimately won out. We'll hear from John Cook in a moment, but there's there's no shame. There There's frustration because you know how competitive the Nebraska volleyball team is. You know how competitive John Cook is, and they wanted Wisconsin. They got Wisconsin. They got a lot of good Wisconsin, but Wisconsin got all they wanted and more from Nebraska. And the thing that, that you can be proud of and you are proud of as a Nebraska volleyball fan is Nebraska volleyball has been carrying in Nebraska athletics for a long, long time. But they're always going to be better at the end of the year because of who their coach is. They're always going to be better at the end of the year because the players are coachable and they strive to be great. And the way they are prepared uh, is second to none. And that allows for maximization. Title contention, dot, 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 Nebraska volleyball. Elijah, they're always going to be up for a championship run, even as it looked a little bleak this year. Yeah, and uh, I saw some people on uh, social media saying, oh, well, this is supposed to be a rebuilding year. Let's be honest. This is Nebraska volleyball. They don't have rebuilding years anymore. They have reloading years where it's just, all right, the next, next bullet in the chamber, the next athlete to step up. They're so great, they make it look easy. Yeah, they do. They do. And sure, you can call it a rebuild. Maybe the non-conference was your rebuilding part of the year. Uh, with some schools take years to rebuild. Nebraska does it in half a season because they got all these freshmen stepping up that got their feet wet. Uh, they, they got some much-needed experience during Big Ten season, and they, they hit their stride at the perfect time. They hit their stride in December. And how great did they look in the NCAA tournament? I know they were the number 10 overall seed, but I think everyone saw on Saturday night those were the two best teams in the nation. It, it wasn't close. You saw what Wisconsin did to Louisville in the Final Four. Louisville gave them a good battle, but Nebraska looked better against Wisconsin than Louisville did. And that's despite the fact that Louisville came in and really kicked the crap out of Nebraska earlier this year. Well, so, I mean, I think Nebraska just proved on a national stage on Saturday they were the second best team. I'll give credit to Wisconsin. They did everything they had to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, their block was incredible. They, I think, were probably the best team in the nation uh, this year as a whole, and you saw that on Saturday night. But Nebraska, what a fight they put up. Second best team in the country is nothing to scoff at when you look at the, the physical freaks that that Wisconsin team had. Think about this, too. How many teams, and you can pick a sport, go sideways or get their psyche damaged after a non-conference or a, or a debilitating loss. And, and Nebraska, I mean, they, they lost three in a row, and most of the collection of players have never experienced that. And I know it, it was a little bit of deja vu for Nebraska volleyball. The last time they lost three straight, they ended up winning the title. Then you've got a long-term, big-picture approach by John Cook with uh, tinkering and then getting his team ready. And then, again, everyone kind of being their best at the end, that's rewarding. And that that's rewarding as a sports fan to see your team really kind of kick it into gear, hit on all cylinders, and then give themselves a chance. And while you want some points back in that second set, you were able to to earn your way to a fifth set by making some plays in the fourth set, right? Because it could have been 3-1. He just could. He also could have been two zero Nebraska. I mean, that's that's how razor thin and and just fairly matched both teams were. And uh, I think Nebraska volleyball's awesome. I was listening to my. I was checking with my mother and my you know grandma 
grandma always loves watching Nebraska volleyball, has for years. She used to play volleyball, not at the Nebraska level, but she let me know that, yeah, her and grandpa would play YMCA volleyball. It was pretty cool so to hear. She was the athlete of the family? <laughs> clear, clear, clearly in me. <laughs> clearly in me. But, no, she loved it, so I was a little freaked out. Uh, <clears throat> what are you guys doing for the game? Because, you know, the YouTube TV in the old uh, living room wasn't, wasn't firing up, so... Kudos to Nebraska Volleyball, number two. But, uh, you know, they are as good as we've seen in a long time, and they'll be loaded up. John Cook, uh, after Saturday night's match, you know he was just drained along with his team because they gave it everything, and they were right there. The fans got their money's worth. It was a great match with two great teams, and uh, not a lot of separation in points, you know, like it has been all year. But uh, anyway, it was a great match, and, and I, I'm, I told our team that despite me the most proud I've been of a Nebraska team, how they handled this season, the setbacks, the losses, to get to this match and play like that, and then even get down, way down in the fifth and fight, fight our way back. Just tremendous amount of heart, grit, resiliency, and, um, and these guys... Uh, have done it every day. So I'm a very, very proud coach, and and these guys are going to own Nebraska with with this effort, whether win or lose tonight. It's just they're, the Husker Nation is really, really proud right now. Really awesome moment at halftime of the Nebraska women's game yesterday where Trev uh, Albert's on hand and, and Nebraska had their runner-up national uh, you know, national championship plaque, of course, goes to Wisconsin, but Nebraska right there is the national runner-up. And you and I aren't into participation ribbons, but it, it says a lot to finish number two in the country in anything. And Nebraska routinely's top five money. And uh, they were right. I keep going back to it. They were right there. They were right there, right there against a team as good and deep and talented as Nebraska is. There's just some generational unfairness that Nebraska went up against because of the size and athleticism of Wisconsin's front line. Yeah, and you you can see Nebraska dealt with it well at times during that match, uh, but then the momentum was on the, the side of Wisconsin for the first seven points of the fifth set, and that's, I mean, in a fifth set, that's something you can't afford. That's, that, that's a mistake that's going to cost you a championship. For them to even get it within two at 14-12. Did it not feel like? I thought, if, it, I was like, yeah, watching that with Uncle Nate, and I'm like, you know, maybe they got a shot. I there. still think if that if the fifth set was to twenty five, I know that's not the rules of volleyball, but if it was a normal set to twenty five, I think give Nebraska me a more time. I think Nebraska was gonna pull that set out if it was to twenty five, but that's the way the fifth set goes. You really can't afford to lose momentum in the fifth set. They did it and uh credit to them for battling back when being down seven nothing. That's I mean, that's a death sentence in volleyball. They could have rolled over. They didn't. Credit to them, uh, but also credit to Wisconsin. We'll get more from Jacob Padilla. Gonna go to basketball now and you know, we talk about the good and then the, the ugly. And for, for what you have with Nebraska volleyball, you have a complete 180 right now in Nebraska basketball with where they're at. Think of the movie Twins. Maybe some of you saw it in the theaters where you've got this tall, muscular dude in Arnold Schwarzenegger. And then you have Danny DeVito. He's like four foot nine. He's a little overweight and he's not the nicest dude there is. That's what you have right now. Nebraska volleyball is Arnold. Nebraska basketball is Danny DeVito in the movie Twins. There's your contrast. 
and it's real. And it's too bad because you've got good kids on the basketball team. You've got an experienced coach that is really bright offensively, and you got nobody pulling the rope in the same direction for a full 40 minutes. Hoiberg, on the loss last night, you dropped one to K-State. You missed your final 18 threes. It's not, Elijah, that you missed your final 18 three-point attempts. Is that after a while, you kept taking three-point attempts when get to the rim, get to the free-throw line. There are other ways to score, and easier said than done, but there's no Dikembe Mutombo or Patrick Ewan down there force K-State's hand. Nebraska didn't do it often enough. They just refused to drive. They're going to they're gonna try and look good shooting threes, and it's going to be a continued losing streak. I pray that it's not Wednesday night against Kennesaw State, but now you've, you've, you've dropped five in a row. And, and it's, it was one of those things where by the second half, every single time someone was launching a three, there were good looks. There were good looks in those 18, but I did A lot of non-good looks that ended up screwing things up, and here comes K-State in transition. But even the good looks, I didn't think they were going in. The players shooting him didn't think they were going in. They, they had that body language of just like, well, I got an open look. I, I better jack this thing. And then nobody in the arena thought it was going in. So it's, why are you shooting it? it it's, it's what it is. It's, it's why pick up ball. Mm. Dude, is, is what that the offense is. And it just it's maddening where you can start off, you can build a 10-point lead, you can run the offense through Walker a little bit, you can kick out to, to, to Bryce and he can drill a three. And there's some wonderful penetration by, by Verge that can finish at the rim. So, I mean, I hate to continue beating a dead horse here with it, but we ended up going yesterday, and it was just you – just, you're just waiting for it to stop working. You're just waiting on Nebraska basketball to revert back to what they are, and either they're a team that is not coachable or they aren't being coached. There's, there's no – there is no repercussion. And, and my theory on that is this, either Fred doesn't want to hurt feelings or it's just not in his personality to lower the boom on anybody. He'll get, he'll, he'll get upset and, and he has passion and he has conviction with, with what he wants and how he wants things done. But right now, it sure as hell seems to me that they're real scared to, uh, to give some tough love to their five star. And it's not just a McGowan's thing. It's, everyone shows up at different parts in that ball game that's a liability. And what I keep coming back to is uh, it was a quote from Derek Walker after the Western Illinois game. I think it was the day after. It could have been post-game. It doesn't really mm-hmm. matter. He just said, essentially, this is disappointing tonight, but thankfully we still have a long season to improve, and I have not seen any improvement. In fact, I've only seen a regression from this Nebraska basketball team. Get a third of the season left. And, uh, you know, Fred was asked here, about uh, the adversity and, and if guys were trying to do too much. Yeah, at times I, th- I think so. Um, uh, again, I, you know, when Casey hit those first two, I thought he was off and running. He was going to have a huge night. And, you know, unfortunately had a couple that hit every part of the rim and bounced out. That's how he's been in practice. I mean, he's probably hit in his last three days, probably 14 for 18. And, you know, when he made those first two, I thought that he was going to, uh, you know, continue on. But, you know, unfortunately those shots stopped falling. And again, we, we had 12, those 12 minutes were as good as we played all year on both ends of the floor. And then unfortunately we just lost our rhythm and um, they made the plays at the end. We didn't. Last side here from Fred. We'll get more into it with 
Jacob Padilla, but uh, the topic of shot selection. Yeah, it, it, we, we press, and, you know, when we got good looks early, I thought they were really good shots, and then I thought we had some good ones throughout the flow of the game the rest of the way, but, you know, the step-back ones, as we talked about, they got to stop, and uh, you just got to continue to move. You know, we played through Derek a little bit, I thought, but not enough, and we got to get him the ball in better positions to make plays. I knew there's going to be some growing pains through this. We've got another week after this next one to work on uh, some of the nuances of, of what we're looking at. But overall, again, it just goes back to what made us successful early. You have to continue on with that and continue with those types of possessions. And we didn't do a good enough job tonight. Are, are guys willing to sacrifice their own individual success to win is my question. Or maybe they think they are going to be the solution by jacking up another three. Maybe maybe they'd come back and say, look, I, I am shooting threes to score. And that's the offense. Get to the rim or drive and kick and find an outside shooter. And what's disappointing, as blunt as this sounds, my main thought today is how many days till baseball season? Oh, yeah, good. Amen. No, you're right. I mean, it's, it's draining to watch the basketball team, and you hope they get it flipped around. Jacob Adil is next. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. What a showcase for volleyball Saturday night. And uh, Jacob Padilla was there covering Nebraska and Wisconsin for Hale Varsity, HaleVarsity.com. You can follow Jacob uh, on Twitter at Jacob Padilla underscore and a couple of different podcasts he has on high school prep sports and, of course, uh, Husker basketball on the Herdat Media family, that uh, Herdat.com. Jacob, I want to go back to Saturday night and talk to me about atmosphere. You've seen a lot of Nebraska volleyball where does Saturday night rank for you? Yeah, it was definitely up there. Obviously, Nebraska's had some uh, some incredible crowds and that were mostly home-based. So in terms of just kind of some of the big moments for Nebraska, I think the atmosphere itself, it, it, I think I've experienced there's some, some of those Penn State matches and mm-hmm. uh, some of the places at Devaney, there's some of the matches at Devaney. Uh, just in terms of noise and that kind of thing, uh, it maybe been a little bit better. But just in terms of, obviously, it was the the largest crowd in NCAA volleyball history, uh, eighteen thousand seven hundred and fifty five, and that makes sense when you've got the the two uh, fan bases that have led the country in attendance the, the last two years that attendance was allowed. Um, so there there were good. Uh, I mean, you had a lot of support on both sides. Obviously, Wisconsin have plenty of fans there as well. Um, and it made for a really fun match, just going back and forth, the crowds chanting, 
the the players kind of the red carpet walk in. You had um, both teams doing chants and things at different times. So uh, it was just a really cool atmosphere and a great showcase for college volleyball. What were you expecting Saturday night? And Nebraska delivered time and time again. I thought their start was great. Wisconsin's really incredible and a tough matchup. Nebraska had their chances. Uh, that said, Wisconsin got it done when they needed to. But kind of the ebb and flow of high drama for three and a half plus hours. Uh, were you surprised it was as tight as it was? No, I kind of felt like just the way that Nebraska had been playing the last couple of matches and what they showed against Texas and then again against Pitt after kind of a rough start. They settled the nerves. They they adjusted what Pitt was doing and then controlled that match for the last three sets. So I just felt like as good as they were defensively, they were going to find a way to, to make this match tight and, and really competitive. And the question was going to be whether or not they could win close games. And they ended up losing two deuce games, but they also won one uh, when they needed it to extend the match. So um, that this Nebraska was clicking at the right time. They were peaking at the right time, which is something that Cook talks about is uh, always uh, a big goal for his team and something he finds a way to do more often than not. And they just ran up into uh, what was obviously, I mean, they're the champion, the best team in the country this year. Just with the, the size, the experience, having five extra like COVID year seniors on the team, four of which were starters, um, you, you could just kind of see the, the difference there. Um, Lauren Barnes, their libero, was, might have been the best player on on the court. She was just unbelievable, covering up every Nebraska um, swing, and, and then obviously the 24 blocks, which is the most that uh, I think Nebraska's ever. Uh, ever hit into in the rally scoring era. So they just could not find a way to deal with that block, starting with Dana Recky at, at, at six, eight. You had um, Anna Schmeck there at six, nine. Uh, Devin Robinson had 10 blocks herself. So they just could not find a way to, to deal with Wisconsin's block to get the points they needed to. But the, in terms of competitiveness and going to five, I wasn't the least bit surprised. Jacob, I want you to take us back to that fifth set, and that's where it really felt like Nebraska struggled immensely with Wisconsin's block early, uh, especially uh, whenever Wisconsin reeled off seven straight points. I think three of those points came off of uh, Wisconsin blocks. So, I mean, after Nebraska had been doing a little bit better with it in the fourth set, what went wrong for Nebraska in that fifth set? Was there anything that they could have done better to start off that fifth set to get them better momentum uh, in what was really a pivotal moment in the match? Yeah, and Cook said kind of like in hindsight, maybe he should have went with a different rotation that would have allowed them to get out of that easier. He decided to, to go with his best servers and judge the ro- their start in the rotations that allowed him to get his best servers out there because he thought that was going to be the way uh, for them to win is just to, to, to serve Wisconsin out, out of system. Unfortunately, Wisconsin handled the serves early on, and then Nebraska just could not find a way uh, to, to get out of that rotation to score points. And, yeah, I think uh, Rob Anderson, the, the Creighton SID, had the stat that after those 20, uh, I think 22 blocks or whatever early on, um, Nebraska went 42, uh, 42 points without a block. And then Wisconsin had two in, in that 7-0 run. And there were a couple uh, attack errors by Nebraska. That was a combination of, poor setting or maybe they were worried about the block and just missing 
um, or just a poor pass leading to a tough set to where Nebraska was kind of hitting into uh, the block that was already there and didn't really have another choice. That was just a combination of everything possible, basically, going wrong during, during that stretch. A few minutes here, Jacob Adela recapping Nebraska's incredible volleyball season. They finished number two in the country and uh, just a couple points shy of a fifth national title for John Cook. But, man, what a run, what a ride this season's been with uh, the mix of, of upperclassmen and freshmen and then peaking when Nebraska did. Nothing to, to hang their head about. Jacob, uh, a thought with, with John Cook, and if you were to circle – one part of either his personality or or coaching traits. Explain to me why you think he can. Why is he so great? <laughs> okay, I mean it's, it's as simple as that. Why is he's done it for years? Yes, but the way he got these women to perform under pressure. What's your analysis of of his job this season? Just just the yeah. the work that went in and the results that happened. Yeah, I think uh, the, to answer that question, you probably want to start just by reading his book that uh, Brandon, our own Brandon Vogel mm-hmm. co-authored with him. Um, that kind of explains some of his his thought processes and the, the way that he approaches coaching, um, and the way he's evolved as a coach as well. Um, and he, you look, you watch during the match. Uh, Cook is there, like he'll he'll talk during the huddles or whatever. But Cook is sitting there on the bench. He has a yeah, and he's always done this since I've been here. He has his assistants up. They're, they're the ones on the court signaling everything, communicating with the officials. He's sitting back and just kind of taking it all in because he's already done his work heading into the, in the match. Obviously, there'll be some tweaks here and there during the timeouts or between the sets or whatever, but um, th- I think that what makes him so great is all the preparation that goes into these matches and uh, what they do in practice to prepare their players for uh, the, the big moments and how tough practices are, how competitive they are, how deep the program is in talent that allows them to, to really challenge their starters and put them in difficult situations. So by the time you get to games like this, they, they've seen almost everything already in practice. And I think they've talked about a lot of times uh, that their practices are more difficult than the matches when they get out there and play is going against themselves. Um, so I think that's where a lot of it uh, goes back to is just the way – that he prepares his teams from start to finish, from when they start at the beginning of the year all the way through preseason practices into the season and then the weekly kind of prep in between matches. And I think all of that is kind of what leads to Nebraska being able to perform at such a high level more often than not in the big moments. And Cook himself said that he didn't think he did a very good job of coaching this team during the non-conference, just – with the way that um, they were struggling to find consistent rotations there, that with the the pins going in and out and not really f- being able to find uh, a set group that he liked that that were able to perform consistently, um, but they really um, kind of settled in and figured some things out. And by the time uh, the tournament rolled around, they were a much better team than they had been most of the year. Jacob, you mentioned briefly the, the, the depth of this year's team. And uh, we had John Cook yesterday at PBA uh, halftime of the women's basketball game say, buy your tickets for Omaha 2022. So could you give me a, a really early, a way too early season preview for this 2022 <laughs> volleyball team? Where are the position battle is going to be? What, what, what are some of the positions we should be watching for in the offseason to see uh, maybe who gets the starting nod come fall? Yeah, obviously, Lucky Sun and Lindsey Krause 
or Lindsey Krause, Lawrence Stiverens are done for sure. Um, those two were the, the seniors that came back. They've got other seniors that still, um, they all walked on senior day. I think at this point, uh, I wouldn't expect any of them to be back, including Nicklin Haynes and, and Kayla Caffey. I mean, Kayla's already got her master's. She's been in college for six years. Um, and uh, Nicklin started for four years and uh, accomplished quite a bit. So I don't know if maybe something that happened this week um, left kind of a bad taste in anybody's mouth that decided, hey, I want to come back and give another run. But if that's not the case, then you're basically going to be looking for new starters at, uh, at setter and at middle blocker. Um, you, you're, you've got the, the back row coming back, the entire back row coming back, um, and that was really the strength of this team defensively. Nicklin Haynes was a big part of that as well because she's an elite defensive setter. But um, you've got Keona Leacana and uh, Kenzie Knuckles and obviously Lucky Rodriguez coming back. So you feel good there. At the pins, you've got four of your five pins coming back. And then you're going to add a little bit more talent, um, as Kirk always will. But um, So you've got the freshmen in Allie Badenhorst and Lindsey Krause that gained so much experience this year and just played through an NCAA tournament. You've got Maddie Kubik heading into her senior year. And then you've got Winnie Lowenstein, uh, Lonstein, uh, developing there uh, as another option as well, who got to play quite a bit this year. So at the pins and at the at defensive specialists, they're pretty good. Um, setter and middle blocker, that's kind of where the questions remain. Uh, Kennedy Orr, assuming that Haynes doesn't come back, she'll be the starting setter, and she was the number one recruit in this class. But uh, tore ACL during her senior year, so she's um, we got to see a little bit of her early in the season. Um, but now she's got a full year plus the spring um, in, in the program to completely recover, to, to learn everything that it takes to be a setter. And she got to learn from a pretty good one in Haynes as well. Um, so I think Cook will be confident there. I think the middle blocker will be the biggest question there with uh, Kaylin Meyer, um, who has been in the program for two years now, and Riley Gray, who redshirted this year. And then they're bringing in probably the two best middle blocker recruits in the country in uh, Waverly's Becca Alec and uh, Maggie Mendelson, who reclassified from the 2023 class to play both volleyball and uh, basketball at Nebraska. So it, it'll be, an, I think that'll probably be the, the most competitive battle or the kind of the biggest wild card is who emerges to fill those two middle blocker spots. A few minutes more, Jacob Padilla with this good stuff on volleyball, get his take on Husker basketball. Monday edition rolls forward with Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Hello, listener. This is Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Jacob Adele is with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Jacob, uh, going to go to basketball. We won't keep you too much longer, but tough loss for Nebraska uh, against Kansas State. Key State hadn't won a, a road game against a Power 5 squad in the non-con since 2017. 
Nebraska squandered a, a double-digit lead. Is this team coachable? I ask that because Fred talked all week about more control. The team gets off to a decent start, and uh, – they either stop listening to them or just go rogue for the sake of going rogue. So I'm going to flip it around. People can get on the coaching staff and the game plan, which I get it. They're the adults. But ultimately, <laughs> is this team coachable? Because it's the same movie here. That's a question. <laughs> Oddly enough, I was, uh, I was trying to watch, uh, stream the game on my phone yeah. in the car on the way back from Columbus. And I got to see the good start. It was, I think it was 24-17 mm-hmm. uh, was the last I saw. And then the, the, uh, I lost the connection, feed cut out. And so I missed basically that entire uh, last seven minutes of the first half or good whatever it was. Good for you. So, yeah. <laughs> so I, I managed to miss and uh, kind of when things fell apart and uh, what happened at that point. And I haven't got a chance to rewatch this yet. Um, so I, I don't really know what happened. It's really unfortunate. I thought – they did play pretty well early on, and the ball was moving, but also they were hitting shots, and that's a big thing because, um, what, they missed 18 straight after that 5-for-10 start? Yeah. Um, so that was a huge part of it, and that's the biggest problem with this team is they can't make shots right now. And I don't know exactly what happened there when uh, talk about coachability and when things started to go wrong, uh, were, like what happened there in terms of what the coach wants versus what the players are doing. Um, that's I, I don't know if it's is the the team not coachable is Hoiberg struggling to find um, the, the way to connect and kind of get it through to these guys is it simply the players aren't capable of doing what he wants them to do um, that's all, all those are kind of possibilities right now as we see this stretch of really really poor basketball play continue with five straight losses now and mm-hmm. That was really their best chance at a high major win heading into the Big Ten where you look at the first half of conference play, that is going to be really rough. Kansas State is probably the weakest team um, in terms of high majors. Obviously, you got Kennesaw State coming up on Wednesday, but that was their best chance at a win against another high major team until maybe second half of conference play, if that. So that was a big uh, opportunity ahead of them, and obviously it, it it went very poorly despite the the positive start. So I don't really know at this point what they can do, what they need to do. Um, that's why, why Herberg's making the big bucks. He's going to have to find something because we've got a lot of season left to go, and things are looking really rough right now. now Jacob, you lost connection about the same time that I tuned into the game because I, I was watching my <laughs> Broncos. The game ended. And I'm not saying correlation is causation, but that shooting drought, it's, it's one of our faults. It's, it's either your fault for a losing connection. I think, I think both of you off. merged for yeah. just some ice, some ice to be handed uh, out. Yeah. I'm going to put this one on you because they were playing well when I was able to watch. And so it's a combination of you and the cell service in Iowa that prevented me from kind of sticking it well, out. So I, I it's Iowa's it, fault. I, I think it may have been my yeah. juju, though, because I, I took a little nap at halftime of the Broncos game and woke up to see Teddy Bridgewater being stretchered off the field. And then whenever I left the Broncos game, and went to the Husker game. Everything started going south. So maybe it was just a, a bad weekend for me to be watching. Sports. Well, I, I went, uh, and uh, it was just, you know, it's fine. But you know, you had Nebraska with possession somewhere in the the second half, and it's quiet because Nebraska has possession. But you have somebody in the lower bowl scream at that perfect moment, "Drive the ball!" You know, and here's another <laughs> step back three from the Gatorade cooler, and it, it's just, 
shot selection, the, the kids press. There's there there is talent, but it's like you don't go through Walker anymore. You refuse to drive, and I you know I I think Bryce McGowan's is super gifted. Another award for him with you know freshman of the week, and I just don't know that dynamic, Jacob. With you know how can you pull him and 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 sit him? It is, he's not like the problem. I'm just saying. No. You've you've well, you've you've pulled Verge. You've you've pulled wheelchair. You've I mean you've pulled everybody. If they've at some point you've had enough and you sit them right. Well, yeah. at this point, I, I I think Hoiberg would be doing a disservice to Bryce to continue as is. He's got to coach him. Yeah. There's a lot there to work with. But it just he's not playing good basketball and hasn't been for a while now. We've seen an occasional flash, but mm-hmm. things just aren't working right now. You gotta sit him down, uh, talk through things with him and figure out a way to put him in better situations. Because there should never be a time where he's taking eight threes in six twos. It's just not gonna work right now. His three point shot just has not translated at the collegiate level. He's shooting like twenty one percent on the season. So that volume has to drop until um, it starts falling at a better rate. And he's got to find a way to use his other tools, his other strengths. Because right now, um, like, Hoiberg promised to bring him in here and showcase his ability. And this isn't the way to do that. Like, he's, I don't think he's helping himself right now with the way he's playing. And we don't even talk about the defensive end, which obviously needs a lot of improvement. But Hoiberg has got to find a way to get more out of him. The team needs it, but also Bryce for his own sake, he needs to find a way to start playing some better basketball. Well, and Bryce hit his first three. He was beautiful. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was a kick out in, on the elbow, and he just drilled it. But just he is good enough to be able – you get him a ball screen, right? I mean, he can get to the rim on a lot of dudes. He's got a quick first step. He's athletic as all get out. And, you know, from a strength standpoint, listen, it is what it is coming from high school to – to the Big Ten or to, to college basketball, so it's not been as is easy to to finish over folks. But he's still quite capable to do it. He's crafty enough to do it. But there's just so much settling going on, and yeah, on the defensive side of things between him and Kesey, I mean, neither of those guys are on the same page. So it almost feels like Nebraska's playing three on five defensively. Yeah, and I, they're honestly Derek Walker is about the only guy. Uh, Tominaga is pretty good with his help and his effort. Yes, so he's just not, I'm, not, I'm not nailing effort. Laterally. Yeah. Yeah, uh, C.J. Welcher kind of the same thing where his lateral quickness just isn't there. So you've got uh, Kobe Webster kind of the same deal. Um, but there are a lot of guys that, like Derek Walker, I think has been really good defensively, position-wise. He took a charge early in that game on a great rotation. Um, he's doing what he can to hold down on the glass. They They just don't have enough guys on that end that are locked in that are – that have a great defensive feel and that are also putting in great effort. And when you don't have uh, elite physical tools, the effort and IQ have to make up for that. And we're not seeing that at all with this Nebraska unit, almost regardless of who they have out there. Jacob Adil is with us from Hale Varsity Volleyball and Husker Basketball. Some thoughts. Jacob, have a good week. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you and your fam. Thanks for a few minutes today. Same to you guys. Good stuff from Jacob Padilla. Follow him on Twitter at Jacob Padilla underscore. Great coverage of Nebraska in Columbus. And some good takes there on Husker basketball as they try and get the W against uh, Kennesaw State. We'll check in uh, on the putting green. What a one-two punch here. Next segment, uh, 
Old Charlie and Tiger doing some work. Father, son, that was really cool. Oh, you mean Tiger and Mini Tiger? Yeah, Mini Me. Yeah. <laughs> Get the pinky Incredible. ready, right? Uh, reminder here about Buckle It Up. Game preparation and repetition predict success in winning. Drivers and vehicle passengers who always use their seatbelts will increase their survival chances if a crash should happen. Remember, always buckle up. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, winding down this first hour. Merry Christmas, happy holidays from Hale Varsity and ESPN Lincoln. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. So we'll check in with Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride, Dr. Petey, Derek Peterson from Hale Varsity, and then Jay Moore next hour. And so this was really cool. It was pretty uh, prevalent on social media. Tiger Woods, his son Charlie, finishing. Second at the PNC Championship. A strong, strong comeback uh, to competitive golf for Tiger. Charlie, you'll chip off the old block, Elijah, with some of the putts and shots he made. That was really cool to see those two together on the course. And they seemed uh, really pretty happy. And remember playing golf with my dad. And uh, honestly, just his patience. Like, one of the last times we played golf together... We were at the media event at the uh, the Champions Run, right, where they did uh, the the, the um, Corn Ferry Tournament, Mm-mm. right? So we all got to go play there. This was the year that we did not have Jay Moore on our team, so we didn't win. But it was me and, and a couple of folks from Herdat and Dad got to play with me. And, you know, I mean, I'm kind of – I'm tolerated as a golf partner – but we're just kind of riding around in the car and on an incredible course in Omaha. And, you know, he just kind of gives you that side eye after you chunk another one. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun memories for me to play golf with my dad. But I can imagine how cool this is for for Charlie and Tiger together. Uh, John Daly and his son uh, did well. This is a little bit of Tiger uh, and Charlie from the coverage with uh, CBS. He's got it right on line if it's far enough. Oh, what a shot! Unbelievable! That's the best we've seen here so far today. So one of those putts that dropped in, and he he looks just like Papa Bear as he kind of raises the putter and walks towards it as it's going in. Tiger, some reaction uh, about being able to share the, uh, the, the, the course during the weekend with his boy. The fact that I'm able to... Uh have this opportunity this year it, I even a couple weeks ago we didn't really know whether that I would, you know I'd be doing this um, but here we are and we had this the, the best time ever and he and I out there so we'll head to the final cut here Elijah here when it comes to a little bit more from Tiger on being able to play with his boy good morning ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the 2021 PNC championship this is the nine o'clock tea time. Please welcome to the tea from Jupiter Island, Florida, major champion and World Golf Hall of Fame member, Tiger Woods. The first tee at the Ritz-Carlton Golf Club in Orlando, a scene we thought we may never see again. Tiger Woods back in a tournament less than 10 months from a serious car accident. Shooter McGavin, Tiger Woods. 
That's also been on Twitter this weekend. See, I was honestly a little bit more scared watching Tiger and uh, and his son go because, like, it, it made fatherhood look cool. And not not that I don't <laughs> want to be a father, but I'm like, man, that fatherhood thing that looks like uh, it looks like uh, a good time. And I, I I need to stay away. From, I just shut it off at, at some point. I'll say this: <laughs> like taking junior golfing over the years, and he has such a baseball mentality, so he doesn't keep his feet still. Mm. So there's footage out there of him shanking stuff into the drink at Wilderness, <laughs> you know, and, and him just getting frustrated. We'll calm him down. I, I plan to take junior golfing at some point, get him into it as he grows up. Now, I can't talk the wife into it. Coach McBride's on the way, Hour 2 with Hale Varsity. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's Hale Varsity. Dot com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. It's that time again, a Monday at 5, a Monday with Charlie. Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride with us. Coach, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. You getting geared up? Well, same to you. <laughs> yeah, I'm still raking leaves. Well, at least it's... <laughs> It's, it's burning and raking. You're burning I, and I raking. Cut my, I cut my time down, though. I, instead of doing it, instead of being on an eight-hour shift, I'm on about a three-hour shift. <laughs> well, whatever <laughs> works. Do you have the tree up already? Oh, Jesus. We oh, yeah, I had that up. You get orders, you know, and you get, you go get it. See, and that's had, what's, that's we've what's had weird. The same, we've had the same tree for, uh, <laughs> oh, Five to seven years, anyway, and and uh, you know it's one of those it comes three sections, and you can never find no plugs on them, and uh, you know that's what that's what we have. But it's just the two of us, so nobody ever comes where we live now. It's we won't ever see anybody, so we're the only ones that enjoy it. Well, hey, it looks good, and I'm sure it's scenic uh, with uh, kind of the shot of the McBride Christmas tree. If you're coming in off the water, I'm sure it's a picturesque, Coach. Oh, I was bailing a boat out this morning at 6.30. Jeez, I bet. Well, I got one I got one little paddle boat on shore that when it rains, it fills up. So. Ah, I get you. Well, that's uh, that's good. At least the weather's okay for you. That's good right now. That's right. It is. Great. Well, uh, signing day kind of came and went, Coach, and uh, Nebraska added a few high school kids. They've got a few transfers, and there's some more in the works uh, with you know Nebraska trying to, to fill out their roster. I want to get your, mm-hmm. th- your thoughts on 
you know, what you look for with either the junior college or if you get a guy that transfers in. You guys didn't do it often, but when you did add a JUCO kid, they were real big-time difference makers. Yeah, that's 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 exactly right. And 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 one of the reasons is is because we needed that position. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we were. I, I remember my first year there. Uh, we were short a tight end, and so we went to the junior college and so forth. And you know, we've got some kickers out of junior college. Um, so it, it's it's been a. It wasn't one of our we, – we wanted our program to be built on high school players. And the first players, of course, were the ones in the state. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think I think the least we ever signed in the state was about five or six. And um, a lot of times our, our, our thinking on that was, wasn't so much, um, uh, you know, that they were from the state, but they were kids that we felt like could – earn a scholarship you know uh, any walk-on kids would could earn a scholarship and uh you know we really kind of we for a while there it was a little wild and then as time got on we got a little more organized and we had more uh the weight room people came in and and did some testing of all of our players but they also tested the walk-on players and and some of them came to school just saying well I just want to try out if I make it fine, if I don't. And usually those kids just tell you because they want to go to school here. So, you know, it isn't like, you know, they're they're kind of on a little tour of duty by themselves. And uh, so some of them would leave, but they'd stay in school. And you'd see the kids around all the time. Uh, but I think, you know, it, 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 made, for, it made for us, uh, I think, there's just a couple of schools that that do that. I think Iowa was one of them, of course, and and they do you do it because you work where you are, and it's hard to recruit kids. It's better to take a player from the state than some guy that you don't know, you don't know what he's about, don't know a whole lot about him. You met him for a couple of weeks. Uh, the coaches are always the people that tell you something about him, and I had trouble with, you know, being a hundred percent believing what they say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, sure. sometimes. So uh, it was easier in a, in a high school situation. You could go talk to teachers. And, you know, some teachers just had them in class. What kind of a person is he? Uh, you know, or some of the younger kids on the team uh, that are freshmen or sophomores. And a lot of kids will say, you know, he's great. You know, he helps me and stuff like that. Well, when I hear that stuff, then I know that you're in the right boat at least. It's important to know that it's the same guy all the time when no one's watching, isn't it? Right, exactly. <laughs> well, let, let me let me tell you tell you this. I had a foster child you know, who was a very good. Ended up being a very good football player, mm-hmm. and his grades weren't that good, so we sent him to junior college. And at that time, I was in high school coach, and I didn't know a whole lot about it. But Taft College was, you know, out in California, so we decided that he'd go out there and go to junior college because junior colleges around Chicago don't have football. Okay. So, you know, California was at that time was big, and that's where a lot of people sent their kids. Well, he called me on the phone one day and said, Coach, I can't stay here. Uh, you know, and I couldn't get – 
I, I thought, you know, he can't be quitting, you know, or nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, finally, I found out that they're all on drugs. They're smoking weed and they're doing stuff he's never done before. Mm-hmm. And he didn't want to be a part of it. So he came back and went to Mesa Junior College where we were. We left Wisconsin and went to Arizona State. And Mesa's right, of course, they have a couple, three junior colleges, mm-hmm. four of them, at least right in the area. But Mesa was a good school, and uh, some of the guys that were coaching there um, played at Arizona State, and I got to know them pretty good. And, and so I felt comfortable with putting them there, and he had he did great. I mean, he earned a scholarship to Arizona State, and then we went to Wisconsin, and he turned around and, Coach Coach Chris called me and said he, he needs to come with you, you know. And and you know we had kind of taken care of him for quite a while, and and he he just we were his family, and he he just didn't want to be away. So he came to Wisconsin, ended up getting drafted by Atlanta, and uh, played played a little bit for Atlanta, and then found out he was a full blown diabetic. Mm. And so he was then, and then later on he had to have a kidney removed as years went on and went out to California. He had a, I guess, a long lost aunt or somebody out there, and he went out there to recover, and eventually he just died out there. He went to visit a player that he had was with in the orphanage, and um, um, the guy was late. He was a uh, hostess for um uh, United Airlines or something, and he 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 left a key for him for in L.A. for his apartment, and he went in, but he forgot his medicine. He had a seizure and passed away. Well, I'm so sorry but, about that, but it's oh yeah. Well, I mean, he he was he was he was quite a you know a special kid, but mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I learned a lot about junior colleges there, and I learned a lot about junior colleges from the players, uh, coaches that I knew at at Mesa, you know, where he was playing. Mm-hmm. And uh, found out a lot of things about a lot of the junior colleges and, and stuff like that. And, you know, I think that, you know, you, you take a kid like the linebacker that we have now, he's a golden. I mean, he's special to me, you know, because, you know, he came out of junior college, and of course he was hurt last year, but he came out of junior college and, and you know, is, is a real good person. So there's guys like that that are there, and if you can get them and not get them just because they're good players. I mean, you know, you're looking for good players, but sometimes you better check the character thing out and why he may be there. And and if you don't find out, you know, the, the whole story, then you got a problem. And, uh, you know, he can lead some of your down-the-liners astray on your team and, and turn into a cancer. Yeah, you got to do your, your background for sure. And, and you're right about Honus being big time for Nebraska. And, and that was a huge get. Charlie McBride's with us on Monday with Charlie on Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, what are your thoughts here with the quarterback situation? Nebraska is going to have – some arm talent in the room. You got a quarterback out of San Antonio as part of the recruiting class. You got a couple of kids that are still here, obviously. And then uh, Nebraska's kicking the tires on on just the, the portal. There's a lot of quarterbacks that go and are yeah. are, are there. And I, you know, you've got uh, two examples that come to my mind. One is Zach Taylor, who is incredible for Nebraska. 
the other is Sam Keller, and you know Sam ended up getting hurt. It just wasn't. It, it, you didn't go two for two the last time Nebraska went JUCO at the quarterback. Right. Well, you know when you, you know something about them. That's a mm-hmm. big. That's a big difference. I mean, you know, when you when you know something about the players, it's good. You know, I know something. I I, I live in Michigan. Mm-hmm. I know something about the kid over at East High School. And I'll I, guarantee I, I love that if kid. I was there, that kid would be on my team. You know, and you know, and and you'd be surprised what happens. You'd be surprised how hard the kids from Nebraska work and what it means to them. But yet, who knows where he's going to go or end up? You know, and and uh, you know, there's a couple of kids in the state still that. You know, I don't. We, there's one kid out that uh, you know is reading the thing about a, a player that we made the super state team that had 120 tackles that, you know, and he's really a good student. The whole deal, and those I thought those were the kind of kids that you know we those are the kind of kids we recruited. Mm-hmm. But I I look at his size, six foot two ten, and then I also, you know, look at look at you know our linebackers, and think. You know, um, he 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 might fit in fit in with those guys at this at this point in sure. time. You know, and uh, so you know, there's there's just some things that I think that are, you know, we lost the three best players in the state, mm-hmm. and when you do that, you're in trouble. And because now now other schools are they're going to tell other schools don't go there and don't do this. We lost, I think, two kids stations. Mm-hmm. And a kid named Potter. We lost stations to Iowa, and uh, and we lost Potter to Notre Dame. And his folks were in my office and said he had been to a private school, you know, all his life, mm-hmm. and they'd want him to go to a Catholic school. And uh, that was that was a family thing. And I said, no, I can't argue with that, you know. Sure. So you know, you know, but losing kids. You know, we had kids that came and walked on. There was they were mad at Coach Osborne for not giving him a scholarship. Derry Nelson, he came because he he wanted to show Coach Osborne he made a mistake. Well, you had that so, edge, Coach. Back to Noah Walters. He's so much fun to watch. Gatorade Player of the Year, and I know he's still kind of feeling things out, but I just think he's a winner. I think he can play ball. Yeah, winners are important. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> winners, winners are really important. And I'll tell you, I could go down the offensive line of ours and show you kids that walked on here that started for us mm-hmm. by the Groves. Yeah, you could. And, you know, and, and you know, we're amazing, amazing kids because they really worked at it. And you know when you believe in them, and they are kids that don't make mistakes, it'll play to the. They'll play for everything. I mean, they they really it means something to them. That makes them a better player. Coach, uh, we are close to uh, a little bit of a holiday break with all the bowl games, so we won't talk to you until probably the first part of January. I want to get your thoughts here on the on the coaching job Nick Saban's done. And who do you like getting to that national title game? We've got Bama and Cincy, of course, Georgia and Michigan. What do you think here as, as we wind down the college football season? Well, I think I think the interesting game is going to be Georgia and, and Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, 
uh, Alabama just kind of sits around and, and lets everybody criticize them and say, well, they're not as good as they used to be and this and ding and dong, you know. <laughs> and I know Nick's pretty good at psychology yes, and pretty good at having kids do what, what he coaches. And a lot of it's mental and a lot of it's, it, believe it or not, it's being a good person, yeah. doing the right things and, and stuff like that. And, you know, he's always been that way. And uh, very strict with it, and and stuff. So I know what kind of coaching they're get getting, and um, I I just you know that whole thing is you know, you know you always don't don't let Cincinnati out of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, don't give up yet. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Because you never know. I watched the Cardinals play Detroit yesterday on TV, and mm-hmm. Detroit just stoned them. And here the Cardinals, they say, oh, the best player in the NFL, best players in the NFL and all this stuff, and they just got their butts kicked. And so, you know, when you get into this kind of stuff, it really turns into, you know, who wants it the most because they're all good. But I, I, I think – uh, Alabama beat Georgia, right? And I have a feeling that if they end up with two SEC teams, that it's going to be Georgia, because you know, they hired to beat two team a team twice. Mm-hmm. No, I, I mean, bet. You know, but you know that that's if I had to take a pick, you know, myself, my heart would go probably go to Alabama. Well, we'll see if they get it done. Uh, another chance for. A guy you're really close with, uh, Coach Saban, to, to get another ring. Coach McBride, well, it, it, go ahead. More money. Yeah, well, yeah. You'll <laughs> make more money. Best, best to you and, and your family, Coach. Uh, well, love you and, and have a great Christmas, okay? We'll talk soon. That, that's nice of you. Thank you very much. And thanks. Uh, and happy New Year and thing, everything. And Merry Christmas to all the folks in Nebraska. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity. I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a hot preteen Swedish boy. That was some awesome stuff by Coach McBride, specifically on Noah Walters. We'll get that up on the uh, ESP and Lincoln SoundCloud. I think what Coach say, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in Michigan. <laughs> And I know about East's quarterback. Man, I, I hope he ends up in Lincoln, man. No, Walter's incredible. Uh, we will hear from Jay Moore, Blackshirt Husker NFLer. Always love reading uh, Derek Peterson's Dr. Petey's columns with HaleVarsity.com and uh, another stellar column at Dr. PDHV on Twitter is where you follow him. Derek, how was the weekend, man? What do you know? It was good. Hey, hey, I got to have a conversation with you about the scheduling here. You got you got Jacob on the show, and you got Jay on the show, and you got Charlie McBride on the show. I need a day where I can shine, not a day where I'm going to look like the the fool of the bunch. Brother, there is no um, 
there, let me just say this. When we schedule and we like to take pride in who we get and, and just daily going hard after it, there, there's no uh, – there's no gimme segments, okay? So you're you're gonna kill right. it because you always do it. That's why you get. I gotta set my game up. Then, that's why basically. I ask you on. Okay. No, you're fine. Right. You're fine. No, D- Jacob's back from Columbus. Bless his heart. His his connection you know, crapped out on him. Right as Nebraska basketball, you know, started putting the blindfold on to shoot from three, uh, <laughs> which is good. Uh, Jay, it's basically a nightly occurrence at this point with them. <sighs> It's too bad. It's Sorry. it's maddening, but it is what it is. No, I mean, and then, you know, Coach McBride, I mean, he's all good. He's still raking leaves, so they haven't been blasted by old man Winter in, in northern Michigan yet, so he's he's ready for Santa. And, uh, and, and, and you, I mean, look, man, you killed it here with some guys that could really, um, with, with a change of uh, coaching or, you know, a different voice, I'm I'm fascinated here, uh, and and you kind of lay out four big keys for for Nebraska next year. Four players, I should say, that that could really uh, really flourish. And let's start off with Xavier Betts, and that is so intriguing, isn't it? Not just Xavier, but also Omar um, and and Alante, and, and there's a number of of wideouts in that room that they have the goods. And man, you pair their ability with the uh, requirements to play for Mickey Joseph. It could be pretty special, couldn't it, for Nebraska's receiver room? It could, yeah. And that, I mean, you know, I, I was uh, probably one of the more excited people about the Mickey Joseph hire, and then he he did it, I, I believe it was his first, like, press round last week. Yeah, uh, Wednesday. With the yearly signing period press conference, and, uh, you know, he managed to make me even more excited just because I, I kind of get, like, Travis Fisher vibes listening to yeah. him just – in, in the sense that both of those guys talk about competition in their room where they don't really necessarily want guys to be friendly. They want dudes to want to take each other's head off on the practice field. And then be the, the phrase that Mickey kept using was professionalism, mm-hmm. um, which is super great to hear. Kind of, I feel like that room has a tremendous amount of talent. And I think that over the last probably 24 months, They've done a really good job of cultivating talent in that room, and you know I, the whole I, the hope for Frost is that Mickey is the the final piece that's able to, to sort of bring all of that talent out and get it to be consistent. And you know, development has probably been lacking a little bit. Um, consistency in, in terms of execution, consistency in terms of probably what is expected of guys, um, maybe was lacking a little bit. And so, you know, you kind of just go down the list of wide receivers and Xavier Betts, Lante Brown, Omar Manning. Um, they've got a couple of guys coming in. Mickey recruited Latrell Neville. They've got a couple of other guys from the 2021 class that we just never saw. Um, so I think, you know, for, for him to come in and talk about competition and talk about, you know, nothing is, nothing is given. Everything is going to be earned, and you guys are going to have to show up every single day. You guys are going to have to outwork every single one of your teammates, um, that's the way it needs to be. And, you know, I, there's just kind of a different uh, a different tone than um, what, what has previously been the case. I was, for some reason, a bunch of, like, audio interview that I had on my recorder somehow ended up in my, my Apple Music library. And so randomly when I'm listening to music on Shuffle, I'll get a random interview that pops up. And I, <laughs> I one from Troy Walters a few years ago okay. popped up. And this is to say nothing 
um, negative about Troy Walters, but there's just a different kind of tone um, with with the way that they talk about the wide receivers, the way that Mickey talked about the wide receivers. And I'm not sure if I can really kind of put my finger on it, but there's just a, a different tone. And I'm I'm curious to see kind of what that leads to because you know anytime there's a new coach, everybody is on level footing. And um, the, the piece of my column was you know you're going to have a new running back coach, you're going to have a new wide receiver coach, new line coach. So if that kind of mentality from Mickey Joseph sort of permeates throughout the rest of the offense, um, I think we could have some some new names that we haven't heard for for a while. Derek Peterson's with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. And Derek, for a wide receiver room that's seemingly an abundance of talent, can you explain the dissonance between that talent and the results on the field? It doesn't feel like any of that talent has ever really translated. I mean, when you look at guys like Xavier Betts, Alante Brown, Omar Manning, it just feels like there's so much talent in that room that that isn't being showed off on Saturdays. Is it quarterback play? Is it coaching? Is it scheme? You've seen glimpses, right? Yeah, you see see the glimpses and you see the talent. It's the offensive line. <laughs> you gotta have time to get those guys downfield. You gotta have time to be able to, to let those guys create for themselves and in, in route. Um, you know, I, I think a little bit of it is consistency. Well, not I think it, it, a little bit of it has been consistency. Um, guys have to be consistently available throughout the week, and that hasn't always been the case with a handful of guys. Um, guys have to be, you know, taking care of business. Um, in areas they need to take care of business, and, and that hasn't consistently been the case for a handful of situations. Um, so, you know, you got to clean up some of the detail stuff there, but everything comes back to the offensive line. Um, you know, your passing game can't really flourish if your quarterback doesn't have time or if your quarterback is constantly being flushed from the pocket. Um, so, you know, I think I think they do have talent, and I think, you know, there has, there ha- we haven't seen a great showcase of that talent. Um and I'm not ready to, to lay that all at the feet of a guy like Lubick. Um, I think, you know, I've, I've, been, I've, I've been saying this all season. I think the offensive line was the biggest problem with their season. And, you know, that, that has tentacles that reach out into every other part of your offense. Derek Peterson's with us. Hail Varsity.com and Magazine, his podcast, The Varsity Club. They drop on Friday, and it's a really awesome uh, – Hour plus, uh, most of the time, uh, pod on, on all things Nebraska, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Dr. Petey, let's, let's spend a couple more minutes here on the offensive line and tell me uh, what you think can happen dynamic-wise between Riola and O. Henry. Lutowski, uh, a, lot of, a lot of hype with, with Henry. You've also got uh, some guys that have been here and Ethan Piper, and we know Ethan's a guy that, has has played some football, but man, maybe he can play some better football. And I know he's working at it. We talked to Kevin Williams Jr. last week. It's part of signing day, and I know he's a transfer, but man, I like his upside. He's a hungry guy. And then Big Ted is getting better uh, off of that ACL. But I've kind of gone down the list of some of the names. But uh, yeah. to Riola and and Henry, how how good could that be in your opinion? Yeah, I think one of the big things with with Ryle is, is the energy and his ability to kind of connect with uh, the guys on the team. And I think that'll be big, especially for some of the younger guys that, um, you know, losing kind of takes a toll. And I'm not going to say that nobody, that, that there are guys that maybe the, the passion is dead, but a young guy that is really kind of chomping at the bit to try to 
get an opportunity to, to earn his keep and make his mark and things like that, there's that guy's going to have some energy. And, you know, I would venture to say that Ryola can sort of capitalize on that, maybe harness it a little bit. Look, I think the offensive line competition is going to be incredibly interesting as we move into these next few months because, you know, Teddy's injury and sort of his recovery from it um, is, is going to, I think, mean that there are five spots up for grabs um, kind of all throughout this offseason. And Nuri Newilly is probably the guy who can feel safest about where he stands because I think he had probably the, the better year of the, the five-some that, that played regularly. Um, with Sichterman gone, you know, you're obviously going to have a competition over at the, the other guard spot. Um, I think both tackle spots are, are going to be very, very much up for grabs. Kevin Williams and, and kind of how he fits in is going to be interesting because obviously he, he played, he has starting experience playing at both guard and tackle at his previous spot. Um, you mentioned Ethan Piper. I do think that Ethan is going to get another chance because we've seen him play good football. We've seen him play bad football. Um, and they got to figure out kind of what they're doing at center. And I do wonder if, if maybe Ethan doesn't get a look at center because um, he was kind of like an emergency guy that they used in, for, for practice reps um, last season. Uh, you know, so what happens at center, there's the potential that you move another guard over or you move somebody, and then you know a, a, an opportunity at guard is opened up for a guy like Henry Latovsky, who um, he, he's still really young, but the, the frame, the size, sort of just the, the nastiness um, to his game, it, it, it makes for a really intriguing option, even though he is still super young. So I think, you know, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this offensive line competition kind of goes and what Riola can get out of guys. Cause I do think that like one of the upside plays with him is, is just his ability to connect with players and his energy for the position being super excited about um, being at Nebraska with, you know, all of the history that's associated with the Riola family in Nebraska. I think that, I think that'll play a role. Derek, offensive line definitely going to be the uh, the, the position of intrigue uh, this offseason, or the position group of intrigue, I should say, this offseason, just seeing how much impact of the offense last year. But, Derek, before we get out of here, about 30 seconds, my family has decided to go white elephant, my extended family, white elephant for Christmas Eve. We have a gift limit of $40. I have no idea what to bring, and I need to get your take on it. Um, Cards Against Humanity. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. pretty good. Uh, that's, yeah, yeah. There you go. But my, my grandparents probably would be a fan. Could have popped up. I'm not sure my grandparents would like some of the cards in, uh, cards against humanity, but they deal with. Them. Oh, but they're priceless to see their reaction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, so that would, yes. Okay, now you have to do it. <laughs> That's so good. I got, got my grandma Chippendale's calendar last year. That was see, and you you just went wrong. Uh, really. <laughs> the old bow tie. <laughs> Dr. Petey, Merry Christmas to you and the lovely wife and your family, bud. Uh, happy holidays. We'll, we'll get caught up here after the new year. We got a little bit of a breather here with bowl games next week. So uh, best to you guys, all right? Hey, right back at you and all your listeners. Thanks for having me on. All right, buddy. Take care. There he is. Follow him on Twitter at Dr. PDHV. You can read Derek uh, Peterson on HailVarsity.com. Jay Moore is on the way. Yeah. 
Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR. All-State, two-year starter, and rush in for the Big Red, and NFL vet. He's Dudeness or uh, Duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. It's Blackshirt, Jay Moore with Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery Blackshirt Husker NFLer Jay Moore with us here. He's got his Santa hat on. Bird, you gearing up, man? I know it's not going to be a white Christmas for you. That's okay with me. I'll take uh, I'll take no snow and the weather we're going to have. That's for sure. So might be able to sneak out for eighteen holes before Santa comes too this week. Got to take care of some other stuff for that, but that's definitely on the on the back burner before uh, before Friday. That's for sure. Jay, I want to get into this chemistry topic for a moment and. Your experience, you were a, a guy that had put a lot of grind work in. You know, what was the the feeling like when, when Zach Taylor transferred in? We have, uh, you know, kind of a new target, and it's always a moving target with Nebraska when we talk portal and quarterback to add to that room. But what, what was your takeaway with Zach Taylor when he came in? Take us back there. Yeah, well, we knew something had to be done because we knew Joe Daly, I mean, Joe was an option quarterback. He was he's brought in to run an option style mobile quarterback system. And when you bring in what Bill Callahan wanted to accomplish in the West Coast, you know, you you, know, you can have a mobile quarterback, but you also gotta be able to have a guy that's been in that type of system before. And I mean and it was just unfair to Joe. I mean, Joe, they tried to make it work with Joe in, in two thousand four, but I mean it, that was total I mean, that was just the epitome of square peg, you know, round hole situation. I mean they tried to make it work, but it just it just didn't. And uh, that's not Joe's fault. That's not Bill's fault. It's just what he had mm-hmm. when when he when he took over. So they had to get some guys in here, and you know they got Zach, and I think then they brought in some recruits. You know, you had uh, oh gosh, Harrison Beck and and Bo Davis, and you know Jordan Adams, and thinking of quarterbacks, you know that were brought in as recruits and. You know, Harrison was kind of the touted guy, and he thought, hey, he might be able to play as a freshman, but Harrison was, was crazier than all get out. <laughs> you knew that wasn't going to be the case. And uh, But you came in with Zach. You know, all right, well, to be honest, you know, I don't. You, you just kind of see guys, and they show up. You hear, oh, we got this guy, and they show up. And it's like, okay, let's see what he can do. And then, you know, we're, we're getting ready to uh, run in weather conditioning over in the old Cook Pavilion one afternoon, and they were doing seven-on-seven seven before. And you saw this. You saw him throw. You're like, whoa. We're, we're used to seeing for all the years. You know, we were, we were used to seeing option quarterbacks and guys who were okay throwers, but that wasn't their mo. They, they did all their damage to their legs, and yeah, they could. They might be able to beat you with a, a simple pass here or there, or an option pass to a tight end. But you saw Zach his ability to spin it and throw and throw timing and pace, and you're like, well, he's probably going to be the guy. So 
that was that's what I remember about having Zach come in. I mean, as a, as a player, you, you just kind of like you're just in wait and see mode. Let's wait and see what he can do because you don't take much of the count of the hype, you know, because that's you know much of the hype that's coming in is by people who. You know, I haven't played a whole lot of football, in my opinion. So you, we are definitely just kind of see what he's able to do. And I remember, it, I could, I could see it like, whoa, that's that's different. You know, I think he threw like an out route, and you're like, whoa, that's that ball looks, you know, it's not very wobbly. That's just like, boom. That just it was it was a different looking. You're like, okay, this guy may be able to get it done. He did. I mean, he was you know, obviously he was Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year his senior year, and wish we could have had him uh, in 04, but that was obviously the case. But you know, he was he was a heck of a acquisition to that offense, and you know he was a heck of a teammate and, and a roommate of mine for a couple of years. What was his go-to? Was he part of the daily own mafia with you guys after hours, or did he do? <laughs> was he more of a? Was he more you of a know, burger drive-through guy? Yeah, I don't. We did. We did hit up De Leon's quite a bit in college. I'm pretty sure, you know, most of us lived off of West O in college. I think we pretty single-handedly funded about three or four of the new De Leon's here off the original one that's over there on West O and in Highway 77. Zach was definitely, you know, Zach was more of a, I think he, I can't remember, he was more of a pizza guy. Lazari's guy. Yeah, Lazari's, you know, or whatever it was, you know, I remember when you're in college, you, you damn near ate anything if it, someone would buy it for you. He, he was he was as good as they come, man. He was you know he was just always he was always down to do whatever. Hey, if you want to get some beers, let's go get some beers. If you want to go play some golf, let's go play some golf. If you want to you know hang out, and watch you know episodes of The Office, let's watch The Office. You know, and um, he was yeah he's he's as good as they come. Jay Moore is with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, to your teammate, uh, one former teammate to another, Donovan Rayola. We talked about Donovan last week, but. What do you think his approach is going to be when it comes to shape, reshaping this O-line? Well, he's going to have to find, you know, a center first and foremost, replace Cam. You know, that's that's going to be very important. You know, the center is like the linebacker. He's kind of your your call guy and calls out protections and, and IDs, linebackers and, and whatnot and protections, you know, pre-snaps. And, you know, he's kind of the leader of that offense. But he's got, you know, honestly, he – you know, whether that's the center or not, he needs to kind of develop a leader, a guy within that offensive line. And, you know, it needs to be, a, you know, a, uh, I don't know if it's, a, it's a, if it's a Bryce Benhart or it's a, it's a Noelle or, or a, gosh, um, or Corner Turkren or who it, whoever it may be. He needs, he needs someone. You know, he needs to develop all of them to be, you know, he needs to, he needs to turn them into a bunch of, ass kickers man he just does like i they just they got to be nasty up front and they got to be mean and i mean you, you're off as alignment i'm telling you man they got to be a bunch of, i mean i don't i mean they got to be a bunch of pricks they do you got you got to you got to be nasty and you can't be nice to play that position and you got you got to develop them to be i mean just flat out just you get after it and uh, i mean that's that that would be my main thing is kind of re you know, you can be good guys off the field, but first, when you step in between those 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 boundaries and those of those white lines, man, you got to become a different person. And that's what the offensive line needs, and that's what I mean. That's what we had for for many many years. I mean, those guys were they're really good football players. Don't get me wrong, man, they're very talented, but they've had a nastiness about them. I mean, just just remember when I came in as a freshman, and then just the ass kicking that I got in. <laughs> you know, on scout team, just because they were just they were on the field, they didn't give a damn. I mean, they they were gonna they were gonna give it to you. It didn't matter if you were 
you know, a, a redshirt freshman or whatever, like they were, they were, they're good. They get after you. So I think they need a little bit of that. Jay, I think offensive line is the, the biggest position of concern for me this offseason. And when you talk about developing that attitude, is that something that can be changed? Can you instill an ass kicker, a mean mentality in these guys? Or, or is that more come down to recruiting and getting the right guys in terms of mentality into the program? You can develop it. You know, I, I'm a pretty easygoing, soft-spoken person off the field, but you have to develop that switch. You have to use, you got to have it, and you just got to be able to, you know what, I know we're friends off the field, but guess what, we're not. Once we step in here, like, I don't care if you're my roommate, whatever, you're you're not having your way. And I got in fights with friends on, on all the time in football field, but it just happens. That's part of the game, and that's part of getting better, and that's part of competing. So I think you have to kind of develop that a little bit and just say, hey, just because you, you kicked his ass for – a couple plays doesn't mean that you don't like him. Doesn't mean that you hate him. No, it means that you're trying to get better. And you're trying to make him better. So I think that's got to get uh, ingrained in, in in that mindset a little bit. And that's very you know micro, but I think that's a that's a decent part of you know their struggles up front. Jay Moore's with us. Jay, best to you and the fan bud. Have a wonderful Christmas. We're off for a little bit of time, and we'll catch up with you in the new year, partner. All right. Thanks, boys. Let's uh, cheers and and, uh, have a good one. Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity radio show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time on a Monday. Tomorrow on the show, Mitch Sherman from The Athletic will dive in with Santa, Santa Caz. Uh, a Tuesday with Rick Kaczynski, and we are efforting uh, another guest we will be happy to tell you about once uh, we land him. So uh, Kent emails in, ask Hoiberg if guys have toughness or you can actually develop it. What would his answer be? Well, Fred's got a presser tomorrow. You've just got to put a line in the sand from the get-go on what you'll allow and and what you won't and what type of accountability. Here's the problem. If guys don't like being held accountable or told no, and stop me if you've heard this before, but in the world of basketball, <laughs> you've got a lot of placation that goes on in all sports, right? You see it in youth sports. My kid doesn't start at third base. We're leaving the team. Coach has got it out for us. Not in every instance, but that's a BS that coaches and pick a level got to put up with. Work harder, get better, win the position. And if you're not doing your job, get benched, 
learn from it, go back in. It's simple. The problem is what do you allow to happen and what are you afraid to do because of an unknown reaction? Case in point, the next step back three, this is on Twitter. You have parts of PBA booing your five-star. And they should have because it was another stupid shot. And he's not alone in taking questionable shots. Why is he doing it? Is it to showcase his draftability in the first 10 picks? Or did he want to hit a a stick of three to get his team back in it? Well, both, probably. Got to show that I'm I'm NBA dude, and I got to show that maybe maybe I can spark something for our team. But the, the next quick three I see is in the in when there's no flow to an offense and it's it's one thing if if you if you're down and you're trying to make something happen but a lot of times Nebraska gets off the yellow brick road and it's a stupid shot while you're ahead and then it leads to recovery for Kansas State it leads to recovery for NC State it leads to recovery for Indiana when you're up double digits on all three of these teams time and space live it they don't there's no repercussion I guarantee you there is fear in that coach's office about repercussion well if I if I bench my five star um or if I bench my transfer, or if I bench my international player, well, how are they going to take it? And could they shut down? That's To me, that's my like a thousand-foot view here on this basketball team, is there's a bunch of dudes that shut down when it ain't, when it ain't, when, when you're not front-running. Saw, that's your problem. Saw a video today of this, this kid pulling out a basketball move, and Kevin Durant responded by saying, this expletive stinks. When somebody responded, he's just a kid, Kevin Durant responded to that person and said, it's about habits, man. Oh, yeah. Well, and you got a lot of a lot of brutal habits. Back at you Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in. A Huda Media Production.